P2X receptors are trimers formed from three subunits. Each of these subunits has two transmembrane domains, shown here as TM1 in red and TM2 in green, which cross the membrane as helices. Each subunit also has a large extracellular domain, shown in black here, with some of the critical amino acid residues identified. The permeation pathway for ions forms as a pore between the three subunits, indicated in blue. There's nothing there that gives us a clue about which part of the molecule is responsible for binding the ATP. And, and after about 10 years of mutagenesis and changing amino acids here and there, we're not actually a huge amount further on in terms of knowing which bit really binds the ATP. We, we've made some progress, but it's very slow progress. We cloned out all the other ones within a year or two, mostly by using homology-based approaches. That is using polymerized chain reaction, using primers based on the sequence of the P2X1 and the P2X2, and they finished up picking up uh, the other five members of the family. The first of those was the P2X3, and the, first, the, the two things that surprised us about that were, A, that its distribution was extraordinarily restricted. It was only in a subset of afferent or sensory neurons. And then B, its properties didn't correspond to the properties of ATP responses in sensory neurons. So when you put on ATP to a P2X3 receptor, you get a certain kind of response, certain kind of inward current. Uh, but when you put it onto a P2X2 receptor, you get another kind of inward current. Neither of those corresponded to the current that you get if you take a real nerve cell from a sensory ganglion and put on ATP. So we thought, well, what's going on? Either there are some more P2X receptors in the nerve cell, or perhaps these two different kinds come together as a heteroma. So what we did was to take the P2X2 and the P2X3, take the two different cDNAs, express them together, and record the currents in the cells in which it expressed them. And hey presto, that looks just like the currents that you see in a sensory neuron. So this was the evidence that the real receptor that's made naturally in a neuron probably has got both P2X2 and P2X3 subunits in it. The receptor that we're looking at seems to have two copies of three and one copy of two. Its properties though are fundamentally different from the two alone or the three alone. Why is that important? because the target that the drug companies want to screen against should be the target that's really expressed in sensory neurons. So in order to show the molecular identity of that target, they can now express that and they can screen and they can identify drugs which block that particular kind of P2X receptor. So the 1995 paper on P2X3 receptors, those two papers were published simultaneously. One was the group from UCL led by John Wood, but also with Bernstock and Cahoon there. And the other, of course, was our paper from Geneva. The difference there is that I think their paper was actually superior in terms of the localization of the receptor, because frankly, they knew, John Wood in particular, he knew as much more about sensory ganglion than we did. Uh, but our paper had the additional uh, feature that when you co-expressed the P2X2 and the P2X3, 
then you get a phenotype or a current which resembles that in sensory neurons. So they both brought something slightly different.